I'm Ebony K. Williams, your attorney at law and host. Welcome to Holding Court, where we analyze the very latest legal headlines everybody's already talking about. We dig into how the courts impact the culture. We break it all down for you, and we go straight from gavel to your news feed. And I promise you this, y'all, every single week, we're going to keep it a buck, keep it 100. Right, Dustin Ross? That's right, Ebony. Let's go ahead and hold court. Let's do it. Hey, what's up, dear jurors? Listen, it's your girl, Ebony K. Williams here. And as always, we're so glad that you're tuning in to Holding Court. Now, listen, Dustin and I are on a little bit of a break this week. You know, we're going to get a little much-needed rest and relaxation. But really, we want to make sure that in this moment that we are making sure we do what we do. And that is always reflect on the magic that is Black heritage and Black people, right? So y'all know what we do here at Holding Court is we make sure that we are sharing the strides and the positivity that we're making as a people and not just uh, the heavy headlines, although, you know, we get into that too. So on this episode, we're going to put together a short little compilation uh, of different stories and conversations that celebrate, right, celebrate some of the powerful headlines that we've covered this year so far and have brought us a bit of black joy. So listen, enjoy and catch me and Dustin next week when we'll be back with a brand new episode of Holding Court. You know, I hesitate, Dustin, to call it good news. But we'll call it better news. (laughs) Right, okay. Better use than the usual bullshit. Tepid news. Tepid news. (laughs) Just tepid, lukewarm news. You know what? If you had an (laughs) old-ass black grandma, I don't know what you are, and I love it. Every day, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so this is a sister. Yes. Um, You've probably all heard of her name by now. Carriol Horn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a law enforcement officer with the Buffalo Police many years. She had, uh, I think they say about a 20-year career yeah. with the Buffalo Police Department uh, until she was fired. Let go. Why? Well, because this woman uh, had just enough act right in her mm-hmm. to see a fellow officer, white man by the name of Gregory Kiwakowski. Mm-hmm. OK, he was using a chokehold. You know, they like to do that shit where they obstruct our fucking airway. Dustin. Yeah. Yeah. This officer was using a chokehold on a handcuffed citizen. So this man is already no longer a threat. He's in cuffs. And this white officer, Gregory Kowakowski, OK, mm-hmm. was using a chokehold still. And the man uh, was saying, I can't breathe. Uh, the good sister, Carrie O'Horn, heard this. She intervened. She actually, I believe, uh, removed the fellow officer from this man's uh, airway and said, you're killing him. Because I read uh, I was also listening to an interview um, she gave to CBS's Eureka Duncan, which is fantastic. You should Google that, y'all, if you're watching uh, and listening, rather. Um, And uh, Sister Horn said she could hear the man say, I can't breathe. I'm dying. She recognized it, Dustin, and did the human thing, Mm -hmm. the natural Mm -hmm. thing, intervene and say, you're killing him. Get off of him. Yes. That's all she did. Well, what happened to her for doing that? She was fired. She was sued by this white officer uh, for defamation. And he won. He won. $65,000. Ain't that some bullshit? But then look at how. People always tell on themselves. And what's the saying? It all comes out in the wash. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because Kiwakowski's ass, even though he won his little defamation suit, how did his career end? Oh, that's right. He was actually, he, res, quote, resigned, okay? This was back in, I think, 2011. Mm-hmm. After there was an investigation, um, and, and he was ultimately indicted and convicted, Dustin, of uh, charges around the arrest of four black 
teenager. Mm. And it was all around the same kind of shit, that un, un, unjustified, harmful use of force. This time in the case of the four black teenagers, he was ultimately sentenced and con- convicted and sentenced, rather. He actually served four months in prison. Wow. Now, what does that say? It says that this woman... Uh, Cariel. Officer Cariel. Mm-hmm. She saw what time it was with this motherfucker way back when. Yes, back she in did. 2006. Yep. And then he was still on the force. Yep. Empowered, emboldened. Yep. How no who knows, Dustin, how many teens, adults, men, women, non-binaries this motherfucker affected yeah. harm. Yep. Possibly could have damn near killed yep. in those years. Yep. Because from 2006 when it, we 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 knew there was a problem because this black female officer acknowledged it, called it out, was ceremoniously let go of the mm-hmm. department and stripped of her pension. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big thing with officers. We all know this. You know, the pay is not always the very, very best, but the benefits are great. Mm-hmm. They have this pension. It's really, you know, quite soft and lifetime financial support. She was months away from being able to secure her pension, Dustin, when she was terminated. That's a damn shame. So what's happened just this past week is, you know, a writing of a wrong mm-hmm. that took place long ago. Basically, what happened to kind of write this tragic wrong yeah. is that an Erie County Supreme Court judge by the name of Dennis E. Ward has said, you know what? This should have never happened. As such, uh, you know, I'm going to reinstate this woman's pension and give her two full years back pay to make up for when she was terminated. Uh, is it justice? Of course, it's not justice. Does it go a long way towards acknowledging the fact that she took the absolute proper efforts, Dustin, and that this should have never happened to her? Absolutely. And what happened to her after she was uh, fired, terminated from her position on the force? You know, she had a hard time of it. Yeah. You know, reported she was uh, driving trucks and had to sometimes live in her car, all kind of shit just to make ends meet. And and listen, this is important, too. There's an affirmative step that came out of this case that I like, Dustin. Okay. Because now it's actually something I, th- I believe they're calling it Cariel's Law. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was approved by the city council, 8 to 1. Now, because of this woman and her example, Cariel's Law says that a on-duty police officer, they have now an affirmative duty mm-hmm. to intervene when a, a fellow officer is using excessive force. Can't believe that had to be written into law, but um, that's great. I, I have a little bit of confusion, though, because this yeah. shit went down in 2006, right? When yep. That's when she intervened. Mm-hmm. And they said she was awarded two years of back pay and her her pension. It's, it's, it's the not math ain't math. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the math ain't math. Why, how did that fly? Is that the best they could do, Ebony? Two years of back pay? It's not the best. I'm not about to sit here and lie for them, Dustin. It's why not is the that, best. Why is that even, why is that okay? You know, it's not okay. 2006, not. we in 21. True. And for all we know, this woman could still be on the force, happily employed to this day. Still working. Yeah. It's it's like I said, it's not justice. And she she knows it's not justice. She went on Don Lemon and he asked her, um, is is if she felt vindicated, she said, I'm not vindicated until everyone's vindicated. So it listen, that's why that's why how did I start the segment? That's mm-hmm. I said it's, it's not good news. Good. Yeah, just a little it's, bit. It's just all right news. It's all right, okay. It's okie know. doke news. Yeah. You know, um but it is a tragedy that like you said, this actually now has to be written into law. It's being uh, rectified in some form, partially, uh, 
what is this, 15 years after the fact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's this judge with a really profound statement. He says this, Dustin, while the Eric Garners and the George Floyds of the world, they will never have a chance for a do-over. At least here, there's some correction that can be done. The legal system can, at the very least, be the mechanism to help justice prevail, even if belatedly. Now, I hear your point, which is this still ain't justice. It's not. No, it's not. I think we have to be very careful, Dustin, with the way we use that word. Um, But what he does go on to say, the judge here, Dustin, one of the issues in all of these cases is the role of other officers at the scene and particularly their complicity in failing to intervene to save the life of a person to whom such unreasonable physical force is being applied. See, that's the only part of it that really gives me any kind of... um, halfway good news vibe. It's yeah. really not the fact that this woman is getting her pension. She should have been had that. It's not the fact that she's getting two-year full back pay. Like you said, that should be multiple, multiple, multiple times more. It's the fact that at least now we have, and this kind Something, of legal yeah. record is important, though, yeah. D. Mm-hmm. You have a, a judge, a sitting judge, acknowledging that there should be an affirmative duty yeah. by an officer to intervene when your fellow colleague is sitting over here snuffing the life out of somebody. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to just sit there. Mm -hmm. To sit there is to be liable. That part's important. After they've been taught to sit there and to not intervene and to back the blue and all that other shit they talk. And that there will be, what's the word? Um, Repercussions. There's definitely going to be some repercussions. There's also going to be some um, retaliation. 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 (laughs) Severe retaliation because she was living in her vehicle. Literally. You know what I mean? So come on. Right. This is a trained law enforcement officer and she's out here with odd jobs. And let's talk about a lawsuit for defamation where he won a $65,000 judgment against her. What are we going to do about that i agree and the sad thing is legally nothing can be done um other than she could counter sue him mm-hmm. actually for some defamation of her own and, and i think she would have a great chance of winning because now his ass has been yeah. uh he's quote retired which was under the the cloak of a dark ass smoky ass cloud because he actually served four months in prison and by the way do you know how egregious and consistent your poor behavior has to be, Dustin, to be a law enforcement officer and end up going to prison. At all. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Like, you got convicted and you didn't even get no probation. Yeah. They actually made you serve four months in jail. Yep. So you're a real piece of shit. Uh, extra terrible fucking piece of shit. And these were federal civil rights charges from that arrest of those four black teenagers. Teenagers. So this, to me... She needs to seek appropriate counsel and figure out a way to clean all of this up. I agree. This is a mess. I think in addition to this pension and in addition to these measly two years of back pay, I believe um, uh, Officer uh, Cariel Horn, Mm -hmm. I believe she's in a great position to sue uh, this individual, Mm -hmm. uh, Kibotkowski, whatever Mm -hmm. the hell, and potentially the Buffalo Police Department. Absolutely. um, For defamation, for slandering her name and her reputation, and and painting her to be the problem. Yeah. When, in fact, this woman is a hero. Absolutely. Um, I was watching um, the gentleman who was um, choked out and while handcuffed. He, to this day, Dustin, uh, says that he owes his very life Mm -hmm. uh, to Officer Horn. And he damn sure does. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for her, yeah. Yeah. So this is a this right here to me this just exposes you know a lot of things that require some attention and some action. So, Absolutely, and it and yeah. it goes to show that um, that whole protect the blue and the right. blue code of silence and don't shit. don't mean shit. It don't mean shit. 
Um, and that's why I do when I talk to black officers and, and I've had some really important conversations with them over the years, but very much so recently. Um, and, and listen, a lot of them are hip to the game, Dustin. Mm-hmm. They know that they can talk all that Blue Lives Matter bullshit all day and it's not black or white, it's blue. But when the shit hit the fan, they know that they're black asses, mm-hmm. officers mm-hmm. they may be, will be the first ones out the door. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's, and that's the truth. <sighs> all right, listen, y'all stay with us for more Holding Court highlights after this quick break. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. But let's move on to Baltimore. This is interesting. Okay. Um, Baltimore City, um, and they have a famed state's attorney by the name of Marilyn Mosby. Uh, yes. Sister Mosby. She's dope. Yeah, she's a, a sore on my skiwi. Um, <laughs> and uh, her husband, Nick, Mo- Nick Mosby, is also Baltimore City Council uh, president. So, you know, they're, they're a beautiful black power couple, and they're really doing a damn thing in Baltimore. Yeah, Shout out the to name them. rings bells in Baltimore, okay? Absolutely. Listen. That's right. It means something to be a Mosby in Baltimore. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Masoor is doing something that I think is extremely important. She's using her prosecutorial discretion as the city attorney to say, you know what we're not going to do no more is prosecute bullshit. We're not going to prosecute prostitution or sex work. We're mm-hmm. not going to prosecute simple drug possession. We're mm-hmm. not going to prosecute public urination and like, you know, just some bullshit, shit, yeah. nonviolent crimes, you know? And she said she had this to say in the official press release, D she says today, America's war on drug users is over in the city of Baltimore. We leave behind the era of tough on crime prosecution and zero tolerance policing. And we no longer default to the status quo to criminalize mostly people of color for addiction. I know that's right. Very powerful statement. Very powerful. Because it's literally a policy change from the Reagan-Nixon war on drugs, which was all about the criminalization Mm -hmm. of addicts, which last I checked, addiction was a medical condition. That's what I heard. But that's what the hell they keep saying about <laughs> opioid addiction. <laughs> right, right. Right. When it's right. in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. when it's in Connecticut. Then it's a medical issue. Shut Everybody up. else is just strung out. Yeah, just a bunch of crackheads, right? Right. All right. Uh-huh. Welfare queens, I recall. Um, mm. so what Maryland is doing and what the, the, the prosecutors in Baltimore are doing here is this is actually quite revolutionary. And and it's really it came about during COVID. So again, as we talk about the devastation and the 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 oh my gosh, millions of lives lost in COVID, yeah, it can't yeah. be overstated. But I do want us to start looking at some of the things that COVID has done for society that actually make us look at some shit we've been doing and reassess it. I love and maybe that. We need I love to, that idea. Right? right? Maybe we mm-hmm. need to do some shit differently. And, and what happened with COVID, right? We can't just be putting endless amounts of people in jail anymore because nope. that's going to lead to a public health crisis that affects us all. So now you got to figure this shit out. You now you have to figure, figure out some out. better policies. Mm-hmm. You have to figure it out now. Yeah, so that's where this came from. This came from overcrowding of jails around bullshit, stupid-ass, nonviolent or societal threatening crimes like peeing on the street, a woman, man, or non-binary deciding to Mm -hmm. sell their bodies for commercial purpose, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would seem like they're right to me. (laughs) Um, Those things did not uh, justify, in this prosecutor's opinion, the overcrowding of jails and and the crowding of her docket in a court of law. So she said, fuck all that. We're not even pursuing (laughs) that, literally. And you know what the result has been, Dustin? 
not only have less people been incarcerated, and I mean a significant 18% what? of the incarcerated population in Baltimore has gone down. That's a lot. That's an incredible number. Incredible that's a number. Yeah, yes. that's a lot. Also, quiet is kept. Violent crime down 20%. Property crimes. They talk about Baltimore. Yes, property crimes. With this new policy of not prosecuting the bullshit, down thirty six percent. Yeah. Instead, as for those that want to say, "Oh, well, you know, now she's soft on crime." No, she's not. Get the hell out of here. Uh, Prosecutor Mosby is saying this: We're going to redirect our focus, just like mm. you talked about earlier, Dustin, with mm. Quavo Nim. Redirect the focus and the resources to prosecute shit that needs to be prosecuted. Come like on. armed robbery, yes. carjacking, For sure. massive drug distribution organizations that are the underbelly of the violence in Baltimore and not use valuable jury time on those suffering from addiction. Come on, Marilyn, with the come on. That's what I'm talking about right there. What a, what a, what a, what an example she's setting for other cities all over, over the country and really globally to have a different perspective that is really going to be effective. And you can see the difference in tangible data and numbers that makes that make it uh, make sense. sense for anybody that looks at it. I think this is great. And where's her peace prize? Where's her fucking image award? <laughs> no, I'm, that's give facts. her all the things. Give her yes. her hardware. Give her. And I'm gonna say this. I'm um, be done with it. Now, I'm not gonna make this about Kamala Harris because it's not about her, but it is mm-hmm. about the gross demonization that mm-hmm. a lot of folks and a lot of so-called progressives and a lot of us in the culture we like to say that any and everybody that chooses to work as a prosecutor. Yeah, it's a piece, is, of, is a piece no, of shit. No, it's not true. We yeah. cannot do that, Dustin. I talked about this years ago in the Breakfast Club. I'm talking about it now in holding court. Y'all, black people, I'm fucking talking to you. If we don't create space for the kind of work Sister Marilyn Mosby is doing, the kind of work that the prosecutor in Philadelphia is doing, the kind of That's work right. that progressive prosecutors are, uh, Kim Fox in Chicago, these prosecutors are using their discretion that's right to make policy better that impacts not only black folks but society at large Come the real now. work the real the work real that work. needs to be done and if you just sit back for five minutes and really learn and really just assess this it's crystal clear you have to understand the capacity that people have in different positions of that that bring you power that bring you power excuse me mm-hmm. in a situ- situation where you never had it before yeah look at what she's done yep but it, but if she was listening to uh, the peanut fucking gallery, right. oh, you know, you you a traitor to the race if you are DA, you a traitor to the race if you want to work as a top cop prosecutor, she would not be able to implement this massive change for our people and the people of Baltimore as, as a whole. And that's the thing, y'all. We got we to gotta stop with these fake narratives, you know? Yeah. Are there some problematic bullshit piece of shit prosecutors? Fuck yes. They got to be voted out. Right. Are but, we supposed to continue having just, just a whole bunch of rotten ass prosecutors? Or right. should we have people of integrity in that position who may be able to, to, to do things a little bit differently and help every day? Yeah, we got to make space for people to change shit from the inside. That's Slow it. down, y'all, because it looked like uh, Marilyn Mosby then moseyed her way on into the history books with this one. This Come is on great. Now. I like yeah. that alliteration, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Thank you now. This is a, this is a follow-up. Look at good old Virginia. You know, Virginia okay. been Virginia kind of been low-key showing out recently. Okay. You know, abolishing the death penalty. Yes, yes. You know, 
And now here they go again. This is uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam got a new bill basically offering up reparations in the form of college education scholarships. Love to see it. You know, I'm here for that shit. Love, Love it. it. It's important. And he's very specific. And um, the local uh, representative, Delegate David Reed, who actually introduced the bill, they, they're very specific in honoring what, what this legislation will and won't do. Uh, Reed says this, it's going to take multi-generations to be able to correct some of those problems. Yeah. But college education is often the way for people to be able to escape those cycles of poverty that they and their families have lived in for generations. Yeah. That's it. It's just like we were saying last week, D. One sweeping policy is not going to correct 400 years no. of brutality and trauma. It's never going to happen. There's no stimmy check. That is going to do that for us. Okay. Get that for, shit out your head. Tink, tink. It ain't no, there's no stimmy that's going to happen. Ain't no that. stimmy going to do that. Yeah. But to me, Dustin Ross, this is what reparations uh, should look like. This is the infancy of it. It's a small mm-hmm. step to a much larger schism that mm-hmm. says, let's look at the ways that slavery and post emancipation black codes, Jim Crow codes, yeah. devastated black citizenship. We, we, we redlined them out of housing districts. We took away their political voting power. We lynched and killed them for even attempting to own yeah. property, own storefronts, own commercial businesses. We, we did not even let them go to most major universities in this country until well into the 1960s and sometimes facts. 70s. That is facts. why we have HBCUs to this day. Um, so when I see this coming out of Virginia, that specifically UVA, uh, shout out to you, Thomas uh-huh. Jefferson, with your punk ass, yep, yep, Montecito, yep. how you like that shit? Uh, yep. The Virginia Commonwealth University, Longwood University, Virginia Military Institute, and wow. the College of William and Mary all having what are going to be called, and, and I really like the name of it too, the Enslaved Ancestors College Access Scholarship and Memorial Program. Period. Period. And it is specifically... To do the thing that I really need this this reparations effort to focus on, which is not just any and everybody that's of color. No, no disrespect um, to our African brothers and sisters that have immigrated to this country. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to um, our Asian and Hispanic brothers and sisters who have immigrated to this country or were born here themselves. Right. But there's a special trauma. And a special, I want to use the right word here, Dustin. A, okay, a, a take special your time with it. hardship. There you That's go. That's it. A special hardship that applies to those of us who are the direct descendants of American slavery. Yes. It just simply hits. It just is. Different. It just is what it, it is. It just what it is. And so I love that this particular scholarship, D, is specific for those that are the descendants of American slavery. Yeah. Important. I love it. Important. Okay, y'all, listen, another quick break, and then we've got even more memorable moments after this short break. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Holding Court. As I teased, Evanston, Illinois, and if you don't know where that is, it's right outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. has voted. Their city council has voted eight to one. And I'm going to tell you about that one vote in a minute. 
Yeah, um, but, <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you about your girl. So mm-hmm. 8 to 1 voted last week to actually approve a distribution of $400,000. And I know that does not sound like a lot of money because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I have a theory on this, Dustin. So $400,000 has been appropriated to eligible black residents um, through what they're deeming as like housing awards. So 25000 to each recipient. And that money can be used for home repairs, for down payments for a home, for mortgage payments, and things of that nature. And and they picked the housing, Dustin, because Evanston in particular, um, like many other places in the country, right, had egregious redlining housing discrimination laws in the Jim Crow South post-emancipation that kept black people very intentionally boxed out of home ownership opportunities and we all yeah you know and we all know now um that home ownership is really one of the entry points and gateway opportunities to building generational wealth so because yeah because our people our ancestors were flagrantly denied those opportunities that is part of the explanation as to why we've got the wealth gap that we have today with black people only having a tenth of the wealth of our white counterparts. Um, mm. So for me, Dustin, I got to say, I, I like that the reparations is fueled in this particular capacity because- I the re- do too. Yeah. The reality is, you know, we see how folks acting with these stimulus checks, right? <laughs> so, I mean, can we just be honest? Like, I know. <laughs> just imagine, girl, what they're going to do. If man. they mess around with the STEMI, wait till they get that reppy, okay? That reppy? When you I just tell you, folks, twenty five thousand dollar cash checks. Oh, when nah. I tell you, nah. Hmm. Well, okay. So this is a step in the right direction. I don't know how many steps we're gonna take. If it's twenty five thousand dollar grants, it's a total of four hundred thousand dollars. That's about twelve families, right? Yeah, it's a very small amount. Yeah. Um, it's a very small number of people that this will directly impact on on the onset. But, but you just said something very important, Dustin Ross. Mm-hmm. You said it's a step. In the right direction. Yeah. And I really need people to sit and understand what process means and looks like. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it is. I think that's what it's intended to be. And I think that a step in the right direction is better than zero steps at all, which is where we've been on the issue of reparations. So let's talk about your friend uh, that voted against it. Uh, I said it was a vote of eight to one. So mm-hmm. one one city council person was voting against it. And that was the good sis, Alderwoman Cicely Fleming. So Alderwoman Fleming, Dustin, is speaking about how she voted against it because, quote, it wasn't honoring my ancestors. And I was very intrigued by that headline. So I'm like, let me listen to this interview. So she basically says, Dustin, that she feels like, yes, it's a, it's good for housing. But when you talk about reparations, she wants to see something more holistic, more comprehensive, something that's not just about housing, but also includes, you know, education, other uh, health care, all these other ways in which black people have obviously and, and consistently been economically injured okay. uh, as a result of discrimination. Now, of course. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. I want a million dollars. But the right. thing is, we got to do what we got to do. Great big ideas, girl. But yeah. we have to do what we have to do right now. So Yeah, and no and listen, she's she's earned her right on the city council. It's it's indeed her right to to vote how she sees fit. But in the interview, D, it, it sounded a bit like semantics to me because yeah. at one point she literally says, like, housing, yes, reparations, no. 
I mean, tomato, tomato, sis. Right. Like, what are we talking about here? Are we if, if what we're talking about is fueling any and all economic resources towards the closing of the wealth gap, the empowerment of the economic purse of black yes, families and communities. Let's just get on with the shit, right. you know, and all this $400,000 is, which is not a lot as you've conceded, as I've conceded, but it's a step shit. Who mm-hmm. among us couldn't do a little something, something with $25,000. Right. Okay. So I, I really want for the bigger picture, this is not just uh targeted to this one councilwoman. I just want all of us as black folk to keep some perspective in mind as we start to see, because I do predict that, Dustin. I think we're going to start seeing slowly but surely more and, uh, more, of what this. Et- more, and more of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think we need to be a little careful, right? Not to want to cut off our noses despite our face yes. in this reparations uh, journey, because it is that it is a journey. It is going to be an extended process. This is not going to be uh, a open and shut, one and done type of situation. No, not at all. Right, where Black Americans are walking around with a seventy five thousand dollars stimulus check apiece and just out here popping off. Right. That's not going to be the way it looks. Personally, I don't think that's the way it should look. Because frankly, I know me. I'll speak for myself. I'm a spender. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> no shame in my game. I'm a spender. And I think a lot of us are. Uh, and I think it is best that we really assess the systemic places where that money, our money, because it is, let's be clear, this is the money off of the backs of the blood that courses through our veins. That's it is right. owed to us. Our money now needs to be invested in targeted ways that can have a long-term benefit to the generational wealth gap. I think which, that's obvious. I mean, which is essentially what we would want anyway in this scenario, right? The point of reparations would be to fix what was messed up. And there are certain certain areas where we are obviously at a disadvantage and we could use some help. We could use a boost in that moment. And housing is definitely one of them for all the reasons that you just named. So mm-hmm. I think this is a good, a good thing. And reparations is something that has to be imagined. It has to be conceptualized. It has to be designed to have the right impact on our community as black Americans. So it's mm-hmm. not going to be just a money grab that I don't know. I'm not saying that's what she's saying it should be. And I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not but sure. yeah, but I don't that ain't what it's going to be. Okay. No. And for so, anybody that's got that in your head, go ahead and control all delete that shit. Please. It ain't going to, it is not going to happen like that. And like you said, back to the point, Dustin, of it's a step in the right direction. Evanston's already conceded that too. This is a, a broader restorative housing program yes. that, that's at play here. And this 400K, it's the first initiative in a $10 million distribution. And even that $10 million is a small number. So yes. it's just going to be a part of a bigger and bigger and bigger pie. Um, and that's it. Listen, the eligibility, you talked about the only the 16 households that qualify based off the current requirements. And listen, they are a little limited. And I, I say that uh, a limited number of black residents to qualify because to get the 25K, the resident themselves in Evanston or their ancestors have to have lived in Evanston between these years, 1919 and 1969. That's a small window. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's part of the reason why uh, Alderman Fleming voted against it, she says, is because, you know, again, that's so narrow. And I get it. She's not wrong on that. But I, I would just employ um, other uh, uh, elected officials as they also start to vote on these types of programs. You know, just consider the big picture and always remember, you know, these things are just small steps right. towards a much bigger reparations goal. Absolutely. Holden Core comes to you from Uppity Productions in association with Dossie Media and 
presented by the Black Effect Network from iHeartRadio. Audio services always brilliantly provided by One of One Productions. Y'all check yes. them out at oneofoneproductions.com. Y'all join us next week or it'll be back in session as always. And in the meantime, stay safe. Y'all keep your faith and always read the what, Dustin? Terms and conditions, y'all.